This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. The salt is here, but I'm sadly lacking the pepper. But stepping in most ably, editor and publisher extraordinaire Jane from the King's Tribune. Good evening. Hi, Serena. It's fabulous to be here. You're becoming a bit of a regular. I hope so. Why not? That'd be good. I know we should we should hatch plan for world domination. What do you reckon? I'm already hatching my plans for world domination, Serena. I can just pencil you into the sidelines there. If <laughs> right. How's your week been so far? It's Tuesday and a beautiful day in Melbourne. Yes, I've actually been um, the first time I've been out of the house this week. So, wow! Yes, working. is there a problem with agoraphobia? Or? <laughs> there is a problem with having too much work to do. Oh, okay, so right. Yes, writing, writing, writing. So you've come to hang out with the homos for an hour. Yeah, well, you know, never going to be short of an interesting thing to talk well, about. Well, this is we? very true. We do tend to have a bit of a, a good old chin wag whenever you come in. Sadly, we're missing Noni tonight. She's normally that she makes yes. up the threesome for us, doesn't she? Yeah. Next time. Next time. She does send her fondest regards to the Salt and Pepper audience. Look, really interesting show tonight. I uh, had a couple of interviews come through or across my desk that that are all around, you know, gay and trans content hitting commercial television or at least SBS and 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 the ABC. So we're going to talk to a guy tonight called uh, Sabur, and um, he's talking to us about episode four of Head First, which is airing on the ABC at the moment, and it's called The Wrong Body, and it's 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 about the journey of of people who are transgender. So it's it's a really interesting conversation we're going to have with him, I think. Yeah, I, I, I do think that, that kind of thing is fascinating and really doesn't get enough discussion in the public. In, it gets talked about in very small places and in, in, um, very zoned areas, but it doesn't get general discussion in the general public, and it's really good to see that coming I out now. I think so. I think so, because I'm just noticing that there is an increased awareness or at least a, a, a welcome for... For content making, not just in the online space, but obviously in the television space, of of non-straight stories, and I think that's that's brilliant. And it's funny because it it seems to be now sort of quite normal that you get stories outside that. But if you go back even ten years, it would have been unthinkable. And yet, when well, you look at number ninety six, and I'm showing my age here, <laughs> in the seventies, they had a gay character back then that was considered to be really kind of yeah. But then something happened after the seventies, around the eighties and nineties. I think we went more conservative. And, I know. And so many voices were silenced, and it seems to be swinging back again the other way now, which is really good. I think it's really exciting news for Australian content makers, and uh, we're very much looking forward to speaking with uh, Sabo tonight. We're also talking to Greg ha- uh, Greg Logan, who is the executive producer, one of the EPs from Hatch Entertainment, about the very Trevor Ashley show. Now, Trevor is um, is, is, is a known uh, member of our community and he, he does a lot of uh, great shows like Tranny. I think they changed it. It was a, a piss take on, on Annie. Um, they changed the name of it and Greg will tell me what it is because it escapes me completely right now. Trevor is a performer and he's in this show that uh, Greg will tell us all about it tonight. And it, again, it's nice to see a gay, mm-hmm. a gay person from our community uh, up on 
up on air. Almost without particularly a fanfare, which is the way you would want it, as if it's just as if any other performer. Mm, That's exactly, the way it should be. Exactly. So we're going to talk to Greg about about this show and what it means and and what audiences can look forward to and, and, and where they can see it. And I'm, we've got a bit of questions for him around gay content and gay programming and, mm-hmm. and you know, what, he, what his thoughts are as an EP and heading up an, an organisation like Hatch. So following that, we're going to play a couple of tunes and we will also be talking to uh, the Deputy Convener of the UN Youth Summit, which occurred last Thursday here in Melbourne. We did chat to the convener, Alec Webley, and we're now going to catch up with them again this week to see what the recommendations were because they had a very strong gay and lesbian focus Mm. for the young people here. So very exciting news. Uh, They've got some great recommendations that they want to share with us. So it's a massive show tonight here on Salt and Pepper with Jane. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. This is Julia Zamiro, and you're listening to Joy 94.9. Specifically salt and pepper. It's crawling up to a quarter past seven, Jane. It is, but it's going to go screaming past soon. So it let's is. Get into it. We've got a very spunky man sitting beside us right now. His name is uh, Sabor Bradley, and he is a writer, director, and producer, actor, singer, dancer, hand model. All oh of my them. God! Um, thank you for joining us. You're here to talk to us about the new ABC series. Well, it's coming into episode four. ABC two. ABC two. Thank mm. you so much. Shameless plug. Um, head first. Welcome. And what's this show about? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, basically, in head first, I die headfirst into the extraordinary lives of everyday Australians, but often in uh, hidden worlds. So, uh, for example, we looked at online uh, internet love scammers in one episode and went to Ghana to take down some scammers, set up a sting. Um, we looked at celebrity sex tapes in, one, in the second episode. In the third episode, I followed a Melbourne woman, a nurse, into uh, Syria, and she was looking for her uh, dead brother, uh, who had apparently been either fighting over there or um, working as a humanitarian. So we went, actually went over into the war zone. And in this episode tomorrow night, Wednesday, 9.30pm, um, <laughs> it's called The Wrong Body and it's about transgender. And this was, in many respects, you know, like I went into a war zone in other episodes and we had a lot of dangerous things happen in, in the first. But this was really probably the most confusing I want to say confronting, but certainly most confusing and confounding episode that I faced. And um, it's very immersive. We try to get involved as much as possible in the stories of the people at the centre. And it's always about those people. And in this case, uh, the the story started um, when uh, we saw some uh, stories from the United States, from Barbara Walters, about trans kids over there and um, you know, children as young as two, three, telling their parents, I am a different gender inside to the one that I am biologically on the outside. And these stories were so compelling and so emotional that, um, that you know, you spent just a few minutes with them and you believed them. And so I wanted to do the, um, the Australian version of that story. And the, the problem was that uh, no trans children or trans teens, or certainly their parents, would 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 go on camera mm-hmm. because the subject seems to be so taboo in Australia because of the fear of persecution and bullying and attacks for publicly coming out that there was this, this deep fear and um, well-founded, I, I suppose. And it was really difficult to get uh, uh, any trans people to go on camera. So we actually had to go to the U.S., 
to start our story. And because I think we believed in it at that, at that particular stage when we couldn't get any trans teens and trans children, and we felt it was so important to show this stage of that transition, um, that the ABC was saying, well, maybe you should drop it. But we felt so strongly about it that we decided to go to the US and start um, meeting and interviewing trans teens over there and hope that something came up in Australia. And while we were over there um, hanging out with these amazing trans teens, uh, Riley Peterson from North Shore of Sydney, a young trans, a 15-year-old trans girl, decided to come out in a newspaper publicly and her story was quite incredible. We got in contact with her and said, will you allow us to follow you on your journey? And she said yes. And that's when we came back to Australia and our, and our journey began. And that journey really, I wanted to look at um, four trans people in the different stages of transition. And, and I mean, I don't know how much um, listeners know. I started out knowing very, very little. But basically, um, my understanding was that, uh, f- you know, from what I learned was that these trans people were trapped in the wrong body, that all of them were in some stage of transition towards what they called their true selves. And Riley was just pr- was about to go into taking hormones. Um, Jay from Melbourne was about to go through facial feminization surgery and to reveal, you know, to her workplace that she was actually trans and to make the switch at work. Um, then there was Racy Rapid Fire, who was a roller derby player from, um, from Tasmania, who's thrown out of her roller derby league in Tasmania. And two years later was about to enter another league in Brisbane and we we joined her journey there and then there was the wonderful Dr Rosie Jones from Adelaide uh, who had who had made her transition at 68 68 years old and and I met her when she was 72 she'd undergone um, sex reassignment surgery and I met her at a transgender conference in Cairns and she immediately tried to pick me up uh, <laughs> we um, we went out on a date together later on and her story it kind of wraps the circle in many ways because on that date she said to me I thought we were actually going out to celebrate her 72nd birthday and she said to me this is actually my fifth birthday I see myself as five years old because I from when I, she transitioned correct from, mm-hmm. from, from 68 and she and many of the trans people that we met felt those years before they actually started the transition were lost years look, and so that's what you see on this the journey of those four people look I think what we might do is play a little bit of audio from the promo and then we're going to come back and pick your brains around a couple of the different things that have come up for us. I knew I was a girl even before I can remember. I have a boy's brain and a girl's body. This one is going to get complicated. Sabor takes on his toughest assignment yet. I will go breast. Wow. Going on a hard-hitting... They said you may consider that she's transgender. ...mind-splitting journey into sexual identity. You can prove gender through brain sex. But has he bitten off more than he can chew? (laughs) Head first... Did you bite off more than you can chew? No, I, I came to know these the, the different people involved and really loved them. They were just amazing. It was it was such an inspiring journey to go on with them and story to do. And I feel really blessed, as did all the crew, to enter this world, which we really knew nothing about. We really did know. And we often got to the end of a day or two of filming and just went, looked at each other and went... Wow, this is so different to anything we've encountered. Well, it's it's interesting for you to go into that world because the language is different. The nuances of being around someone that's transitioning is different. Your language 
you have to be so careful with your language. Oh, yeah. Did you run into any... I did. And, uh, I mean, what we found was that everybody generally had uh, a, a form of language or a name that they liked to use. And I think... I tried to steer away in the documentary from focusing too much on language and um, more on the process and of transition so that the man in the street, the woman in the street could understand that because once you got into the nuances of language and all those other uh, little uh, smaller things, which are incredibly important but can tend to take up a lot of time. So I steered away. You know, most of the people were okay with being called trans. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I generally stuck to was trans, trans guy or trans girl or trans person. Okay. And in the promo that we've just listened to, um, you know, I've got this information that says what happens when you're born in the wrong body, biological sex doesn't always match up with the brain sex. Talk to me a bit more about how people were describing that. Um, we went to talk to uh, Louise Newman, um, who, who's a, a transgender expert in, in Australia, a psychiatrist and many other things, um, because I kind of felt... You know that the layperson probably out there who wasn't trans or didn't know anything about this probably wanted to go. Well, show me proof. You know, show me the what's the medical basis and all that kind of stuff. And so when I talked, when I went to talk to her, she said there were a lot of different theories. You know that it, that many people believe it comes from culture or socialization, but other people believe that there's a theory of brain sex and that once you can prove that gender inside, then there'll be ultimate proof. But until we have that, because we don't, until we have that, we believe the child, the parents, the psychiatrist, the endocrinologist, and all the people around the child or the person who are saying this person is another gender inside. And so brain sex is one of those theories that hasn't been proven, but when it when it is proven, it will certainly... Um, I, I guess uh, for many trans people, they said that it will it will help to kind of clarify things, cement things. Interesting, isn't it, that the burden of proof is on the person experiencing the body dysmorphia, the gender dysmorphia, the the issue relating to the sense of self within, as opposed to what is externally expressed. Um, I always feel a little bit cranky when I hear about people needing to prove stuff, mm. because if you're trans, then that's how it is. Like my being gay is just how it is. It's interesting because Australia is the only country in the world where you have to prove that. It's actually, but you actually have to go to court. The family has to go to court to um, prove that their child is trans and has to get um, proof from all these people that I just named to be able to start them on puberty blockers when, when they're in their obviously teens and then hormones. Uh, yeah, so it's it's one of the things that we wanted to bring out in the documentary that it was kind of difficult, but um, uh, you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. Is it, sorry, Jane, you yeah, go. I was just going to say, you said in the beginning that um, you had trouble finding trans people in Australia because the, the stigma here is so bad, and you seem to imply that it was not as bad in America, which I would have thought particularly certain areas in America, which can be, can be very conservative. So you're saying that that's actually the case, that after you found the trans people here that you did, having been in America and then seen it here, that you found the social stigma worse here? It's bad in America. 
uh, still, but um, the exposure is um, greater. Uh, more people have come out as I think as children and teens. Um, for longer in the media and so those people you know there's a little girl named Jazz who's been um, a real advocate there's a young guy a singer songwriter called Ryan Casada, and he has detailed this transition online he's gone on uh, many big talk shows so I think the public there is exposed to it a lot more whereas here there haven't been this Riley Peterson um, is a really brave young 15 year old trans girl for actually being willing to go on this documentary and being what the trans teens in America said were anybody who comes out now is a trailblazer mm. and especially in Australia. So I just I just was in awe of how brave she was. So the, the, the trans people in Australia, when they feel that they're having a genuinely difficult time being heard and understood, that feeling is real from what you're saying there. Absolutely. I think the only thing, you know, for me, the only thing that changes the ge- the perception in the general community is spending time with trans people mm-hmm. because I didn't know anything about it at the beginning. And when I walked into a room full of trans teens or any trans person at the beginning, I looked for the differences. And uh, within a minute, though, you completely forget any differences that you see physiologically. You are in the presence of who they say they are. You completely believe them. Well, it's because they're living their truth. Mm. They're living their truth and, and, and it's the medical science that has to catch up to that. So I wonder if that what's happening in America is a broader comment around some of the equality stuff that they're leading the chart on, you know, Obama and his evolution. Um, obviously we have, you know, we don't have that level of equality in Australia. Do you think that the piece that you're putting up tomorrow on, on ABC2 um, is... <laughs> Tune in. Um, do you think that it will stimulate conversation nationally or even at a local level that, that will help improve the rights of trans people in Australia? I hope so. And I think it will. And what, what's more, it'll be replayed, seen again. It'll be used again and again to show the experience of going through transition, to um, help people experience and spend time with trans people. It's, that's really what it does, you know, and it, it doesn't worry too much about the language and all the other things. It says, here are people going on this journey. This is what happens to, say, four of them anyway. This is their experience. Now go on it with them. And believe me, if you stay to the end, you you, you will understand that, that transition a lot better, the experience a lot better, the condition a lot better, what they have to go through a lot better. Um, and, you know, you'll fall in love with them. Oh, look, I, I don't doubt that for a minute. I, trans folk are some of the bravest folk around, I think. Sabor thank, Bradley, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We, uh, we're we going to come back to you. We hope you get another series out of this and that you follow these guys. And uh, we will certainly follow the interest, these interesting stories. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Job here. You're listening to Joy 94.9, idiot. You know, my Tuesday is never quite complete without being told that I'm an idiot by Ethel Chop. <laughs> I quite like her. It's fabulous. There's something to be said about, you know, outrageously cranky. It's half past seven, Jane. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Please send us an SMS on 0427JOY949. You can give the lovely Gordon on the front desk a call on the landline or the Landy, as I like to call it, on 1300JOY949. We do have an email on air at joy.org.au or you can flick us a tweet, salt and pepper joy. We'd love to hear what people think about uh, Head First and that wonderful man that we've just interviewed called Sabur, who was a bit easy on the eyes as well. 
bit, yes. A little bit of a spunk rat. Mm, I didn't notice this. I feel a bit confused. (laughs) Look, uh, there's a new show airing tomorrow. It's it's, it's a one-off. It's called The Very Trevor Ashley Show. It's a pilot app. And it's it features uh, Australian cabaret performer Trevor Trevor Ashley, who's actually in London at the moment. And uh, SBS were looking for ideas for new local entertainment and Hatch Entertainment, which are a new production company in Surrey Hills up in Sydney. They pitched this idea to Trevor, and it's about Trevor. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk to Greg Logan, who's the EP. But first, we're going to play some audio from the promo, so people can get a bit of a flavour of, of of what they're in Sense for. Of what it's about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, it's coming on tomorrow night. I'm getting my own TV show. So you're thinking uh, an interview segment? Yes, I think so. Full of multiculturality. It will broadcast and tell very important community issues. Like when I spent 20 minutes bitching about what Bryn Edelston wore on the red carpet this week. And Trevor has always been emotionally connected to people of colour. So I'll do a medley tribute to Whitney Houston, like the one I did today, only longer. The show will be hard-hitting, gritty, confrontational, most especially the finale where 10 dancing boys lift me in a Bob Mackie-inspired gown above a fountain of glitter while I sing Climb Every Mountain. (laughs) It's going to be... Cutting edge! Wow, this sounds quite different to what I expected. You have to understand, Carmen, we have a limited micro-budget, but if you're prepared to work with that, I'm prepared to green light a pilot. Thank you! (laughs) It'll be nothing like you've ever seen! I hope not. I have seen some real rubbish. That just sounds delicious. It sounds <laughs> deliciously it? naughty. I, I can't wait to watch it. Joining us on the phone now is executive producer from Hatch Entertainment, Greg Logan. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Good evening. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Tell us about this show. How did how did you come up with this? Well, it, um, I'd like to say we were geniuses, but we went into SBS and we said, what are you looking for? And they said, well, we want an entertainment show that's a bit different, that's um, set in a studio, um, in, introduces new talent, ticks multicultural boxes, and we have very little money. So we came Gee, back... they really sold it, didn't they? <laughs> so we came back with a show. Um, it was an entertainment show um, about the making of an entertainment show um, that SBS has asked for where they want something different, they need to tick multicultural boxes, and they have very little money. And they said, we'd love it. Um, So basically we gave the show that they wanted right back to them. But what we did was, um, as you could probably get a hint from the little promo, we we had a lot of fun with it. It's very un-PC and... um, and there's this big culture clash between Trevor Ashley, who's very camp and wants to make a light and frothy entertainment show, and from them wanting to tick the multicultural boxes, we have a, a Sri Lankan Muslim um, played by Nazim Hussain, who wants to do gritty and hard-hitting um, issues, and they're on the same show, and it's the, the clash between the two. They also have 
no money at all and they and no one wants to appear on their entertainment show and variety show so trevor impersonates all the famous guests so <laughs> in the pilot show he does um they have liza minnelli as a guest and sbs can't believe they're getting liza minnelli but it's actually trevor doing liza minnelli and each episode if if we get the go-ahead he'll do every every week it'll It'll be starring Cher or um, Susan Boyle or um, Bette Midler, um, and it will always be Trevor Ashley doing those um, performers, hence the name The Very Trevor Ashley Show. Look, it does sound really, really delightful, and it sounds like it's got just a touch of the homo about it, Greg, um, which which we really like. Uh, how do you think it's going to rate with audiences? I mean, you've got a, a fairly punishing slot tomorrow night. Um, you're going on at 11.25. Yeah, look, um, look. I, I think people will love it. I think they'll love the the perverseness, and the, it's very un-PC. And, and God love SBS. We really have a dig at them and make fun of them. And never once did they ask us to change anything um, in that respect. So they were really fantastic to work with. Um, it does have more than a touch of the homo, Serena. It's, um, <laughs> Gayer I mean, than Moomba. Um, actually, Michael Abid, who uh, is the head of SBS, watched it and he sent me an email saying, I thought it was camp when I started watching Trevor Ashley and then I saw the character Sonny and he made Trevor look butch. <laughs> um, Sonny, uh, um, the, the producer who's a Filipino cleaner, um, she, uh, she's got such a tight budget, she, she employs the whole cast and crew as um, boat people. Um, and doesn't pay them. And one of them happens to be a deviant girly boy called Sunny, who quickly, she knows, is smart and cluey and, and, and takes as her assistant. And he's the campus thing, and he's so funny. And uh, the, the, the commissioning editor at SBS is a character called Danielle Powers, and uh, she's a big dyke and um, has a... A friendly assistant called Bernadette who calls her often. Um, so um, it uh, does have a touch of the homo. Um, look, I think we're, we're not only on at 11.25 tomorrow night, we're on SBS 2, not even SBS 1. But look, I think that's really because um, it's a pilot and it's really hard for them to program a... a a, ser- a series, I mean, a series that all get the long running and good time slots. So it's really hard for them to program a one-off. And really, they're not going to make a decision whether this gets the go-ahead on the ratings. But what they will um, uh, get the go-ahead on and will help us is actually if people watch it, um, not only if they watch it tomorrow night, but actually if you download it, I'll watch it on uh, SBS On Demand, um, the, all those uh, rack up as, as, as view, viewpoints and actually feedback. So um, if of all of you who love a, a sense of the un-PC and the perverse and a touch of the homo, um, feedback in some way on social media or on their website that you like it, that will help a lot. Well, speaking of social media, do you have a Facebook page? Yes, well, actually, the, the show ends... Um, it's very funny. The whole show ends and it ends, um, uh, hopefully this is uh, a premonition, but uh, it ends with uh, Danielle Powers um, 
giving the go-ahead for a full series. And um, But then, as the credits go up, Trevor comes on uh, filming himself, furious that he's arch enemy. Um, Madge has... Uh, more Facebook likes than he does. <laughs> <laughs> so we and, can... <laughs> and um, and uh, he um, he said, "Look, I I know Muslims have big families and all, but this is ridiculous. How am I ever going to win a gold logie <laughs> if, if I can't get more likes on my Facebook page than Madge?" Um, so there is a very Trevor Ashley um, Facebook page, not to be confused with the Tre- Trevor Ashley Facebook page, because. Um, he's playing a character that is himself. Um, so this is the very Trevor Ashley Facebook page. Um, and if you go there, you can actually see... Um, actually, that clip that you just played, the audio on that clip is on that page, and there's a, a few others, the title sequence. The title sequence for the show is very funny. Um, um, look, I mean, we're, we're really proud of it. I mean, we we, we had as the clip said, a micro-budget to do a pilot um, and to do one hour of comedy that also has musical numbers and a big cast um, is quite tricky. But considering that, we're we're really, really happy with it. And um, I can tell you I know what happens for the rest of the series and it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the F-bomb. Thank you so much. We have no delay button. That's amazing. Greg Logan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm afraid we're out of time. We will tweet and we will Facebook this very funny show and we wish you just the best of luck with it. I know you've worked really hard on it. So please come back and talk to us again when you want to promote something new that has, you know, a little bit homo. Hopefully when they pick up the series, you can come back and tell us about it. Great. Love to. Thank you, guys. Thanks, okay. Greg. That's, Bye. That's the Bye-bye. very tre- Trevor Ashley show. It's, it's airing tomorrow night and uh, there's a Facebook page which we will put up later. But now I think we have to go to some messages when someone presses a button. <laughs> Matt, are you with us? To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. Hello, this is Alison Moyer. You're listening to Joy 94.9. You certainly are listening to Joy 94.9, specifically Salt Without the Pepper with the addition of Jane from the King's Tribune. It is 17 minutes to 8. Please feel free to drop us a message, 0427 JOY 949. You can give the lovely Gordon on the front desk a call on 1300 JOY 949 or drop us a line on air at joy.org.au. Fascinating conversation with Mr Greg Logan from Hatch Entertainment. It was. I wish we could have them all for an hour each. Oh, look, you know, we, we just always run out of things to... Yeah. You know, we run out of time. We don't run out of things to, yeah. to talk about. Look, I just want to run you through very briefly. Last week you talked to the convener of the United Nations Youth Human Rights Summit. 2013. It's a really big title. But that occurred last Thursday and it had a very strong... It was gay here in Melbourne. It, it was. Yeah. And it had a very strong gay and lesbian focus. Uh, we are now on the line. We have Andrew Everett, who is the deputy convener of said summit, who's going to walk us through the recommendations from this, from what the kids came up with. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Good evening. Good evening. How are you going? We're very well, thank you. Uh, look... How did the summit go? I mean, when we spoke to Alec last week, he was completely pumped. Uh, what did you come up with? Um, a lot. We were blown away by the enthusiasm, by the interest, by the incredible knowledge um, that the delegates had. And so at the end of the day, after all the workshops and everything we ran, after Justice Kirby and our expert panels, we came up with a 36-clause youth resolution, which all the delegates created, wrote, debated, and amended towards the end, which 
um, was really broad. It covered huge amounts of topics, right from, you know, the fundamental rights through violence, touching on relationships, education, crime and justice, employment, anything, you name it. And we were all just shocked by the amount of fundamental knowledge and depth of ability of these delegates had to come up with such a comprehensive resolution that we, we were so proud of it to, have it, to have at the end of the day. So walk us through the fundamental rights recognition. What does that mean? Yeah, so that basically set, a, set the tone for the entire thing. So it, um, it asked the United Nations, all member states, to like actually acknowledge the existence of LGBTQI individuals across the globe. Because sadly enough, um, that isn't the case right now. There are many member states that don't actually acknowledge their existence and acknowledge them right. So we basically set up the fundamental right to life that all individuals, regardless of sexuality, gender, who they identify as, they have the right to life. And that was, that really, that started up and set the tone for it. And this, that, um, interesting enough, was not amended throughout the whole thing. What was created, all of the delegates agreed with, and they thought that was imperative to, you know, passing a successful resolution. You did. When I spoke to Alec last week, and he he thought that marriage equality might come up as as a bit of a burning issue, was that an issue, or, or was the issue more broadly around equality? Yeah. So, like you know, the media, a lot of the focus in Australia, at least, is on marriage and you know relationship rights, and it did come up. The delegates did identify this as a talking point, something that needed to be addressed. And you know, I think there's no the debate's almost sold. Like I think. The consensus is in the public right now, and the delegates wholeheartedly agreed with that. And they moved on to the bigger picture of violence and how, you know, it's illegal to be gay in 56 countries across the world. And so they they did mention marriage, but they focused more broadly on, you know, decriminalising, you know, um, the death penalty, criminalising the death penalty, sorry, get them around the wrong way, and condemning all violence um, and, you know, um, public shows of um, violence against uh, LGBTIQ individuals simply for just being who they are and representing who they are. And that was, we were really proud. They didn't just have a narrow mindset on relationships when they really looked at the entire picture in the world and the global community. Did Michael Kirby offer any salient advice around that? Because he's been in the paper recently saying that we're losing our way when it comes to talking about equality and marriage equality. We're getting caught up in rainbow crossings and getting our chalk out and that sort of thing. Did Michael help guide some of the delegates in in, in how they approached their duty? Yeah, he had an amazing speech. Whenever anyone, you know, I speak on behalf of nearly everyone, whenever you hear Michael Kirby speak, you're blown away. And we were actually really lucky that he um, set the tone perfectly because he said just what I said, that um, the media is, is hyping up marriage. And he said to get marriage across the whole world, first we have to focus on, you know, the core rights that LGBTIQ people face across the world. And we have to, we have to get our core right. We have to make sure that people have, you know, the right to life, that all people have the right to life first before we go down the marriage path. Yes. He, he said, yes, that, you know, marriage is important, it's imperative, but he said you can live a happy and successful life like he is without having a marriage. You can't live a happy and successful life when you're being persecuted for simply being gay in so many countries across the world. And so he had an amazing speech on that, and the delegates were just loving and couldn't get enough of him. It was really happy. Yeah. He's, he's a very strong speaker indeed, and he certainly brings a lot of wisdom to the debate when it gets terribly heated. Mm. Andrew, where can people find more information about the summit and the um, recommendations? Yeah, so if they head to UN Youth Victoria's webpage, the full summit, um, the full youth resolution is being published. 
that the delegates produced and also um, all of their local federal members will have a copy of it because we are mailing out 230 of these um, use resolutions to every local member so everyone has the access to it. So people, the, the, the um, summit wasn't just a one-off. People still talk about it. People still hear the plight and so this message gets carried through. Well, congratulations. It sounds like you've produced a, a document that is tremendously hopeful and, and we thank you for sharing your time with us and, and the recommendations tonight. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Have a good night. Cheers. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Hello, this is Carrie Fisher, and you're tuned in to Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. Certainly is. That's Carrie Fisher, Princess, Princess Leia. Leia. Awesome. Now I've got a vision of that bikini in my head. And it's I know. I've got, I've got the, the hair night. going on right now. It's uh, six minutes to eight on Salt and Pepper here on Joy 94.9. That was a very interesting conversation with Andrew around the recommendations of the UN Summit and how the young people are very much harnessing that which is around equality and less about marriage, which yes. is my total bugbear, right? So I think we should just leave marriage out of the whole equation. I absolutely think the focus. government should completely get out of the marriage game. They have absolutely. no right telling people what their relationships should or shouldn't be. No, but equality is much more palatable mm. if it becomes a civil issue as opposed to something that you have to weigh in at a secular level or at a, at a sexual level. Well, I think it's great that he was saying that the kids kind of went, well, yeah, yeah, marriage... But actually, these other things are more important because it's so easy for the public debate to get hijacked by what's now genuinely not a terribly relevant issue in Australia, mm. which is the marriage, the, the gay marriage thing. And yet what we see is this transition overnight from Kay Rudd. Kevin Rudd has come out in favour of uh, marriage equality in Australia. I got up to this news this morning and, and I'm a bit of... I don't mind Kay Rudd. I think, I think he's a smiling assassin. I find him really quite revolting so we okay, have to so disagree on that, that one. that's okay that's absolutely fine i you know as a gay person i went oh okay so this this is interesting and but then i started to think well what's the timing of this about well exactly and if i was a gay person i think i would actually be offended because he is taking an issue that that to some gay people don't really care about the, the marriage thing but to some it's a really deep emotional issue and he's taking that issue and using it for his own political ends and every single media story that i i read on this today at somewhere made some mention of the fact that, oh, yes, well, of course, he's making another tilt at the leadership and we know he's manipulating us, but we're going to let him do it anyway. The whole of the media knows that they're being manipulated. Most people know that they're being manipulated and he's taking an issue that that should not be used for, for venal gains. Well, it's interesting because he leads out on his uh, big press release saying, I've come to the conclusion that church and state can have different positions and practices on the question of same-sex marriage. I believe the secular Australian state should be able to recognise same-sex marriage. And he also believes in religious institutions being exempt from any requirement of performing or solemnising these, these marriages. Now, Kevin Rudd has an, a sister who's a nun, and she is quite vocally anti-gay, so I'm kind of wondering what their Christmas lunch is going to look like <laughs> this year. But I kind of think Julia Gillard took a great opportunity to turn this around today and call Tony Abbott out on blocking the conscience vote. It was really interesting. She could have said nothing. She could have attacked Rudd, but she used it to go against Abbott, which I thought 
reasonably well, clever. Look, it's an election year and it's going to be all kinds of stupid between now and September. But I, I mean, the other thing too about the road thing is he is by no means the first backbencher to come out and say we should have a conscience vote. On the Conservative side, Kelly O'Dwyer and one of their front benches, Malcolm Turnbull, have also both said this and don't get the same media attention, which is why possibly I'm a little cynical about it. Well, Malcolm surveyed Wentworth and uh, his electorate and 72% of his constituents stated quite clearly in the affirmative for marriage equality, but he himself put forward a move for civil unions. I, it's one Unsurprising? Of the, yeah, well... Mm-hmm. Piss week? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, it's one of those things where you've, you've tried to serve two masters here and I think we can clearly see that Turnbull, like Gillard, does not believe the rubbish that they spout about being marriage between being a man and a woman. They don't believe that, but they have to say it because they're politically bound to say it, to step along the party lines. Rudd isn't playing in the party lines. That's the only reason he's doing this. He's drawing outside of the lines, I think. Because he wants to take the party away from where the party is now. And there would be, again, good reasons for this if he wasn't just drooping like Narcissus over the media pool gazing at his own reflection. I quite like that. He's sort of the guy that goes and lights a fire and then stands back and watches it burn. Yes, Mm. he's an arsonist. Yes, he is. Yes, he is indeed. Look, it's two minutes to eight. We need to make way for lefty pinkos who are coming in at the top of the hour. Jane Gilmore from the King's Tribute, thank you so much for coming in and sharing the seat with me tonight. Matthew Nock, thank you so much for pressing all of my buttons in the way that only you know how to. And we've had great guests. We've had Sabor Bradley from the ABC, Greg Logan from Match Entertainment, and more recently Andrew And we'll have Everett. all those links up on the website tonight, won't we? We will. We've got the lovely Shannon and Mason both podcasting the bejesus and getting <laughs> us up to date. So thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.